0: Welcome to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My aim for this podcast is to have conversations and to record solo episodes like the one I'm doing today to help you improve your golf, your fitness, and your health. And I'm your host, Sean Dykoff. Now, on today's episode, what I'm going to talk about is uh, four different ways that you can smash through strength plateaus and the reason I'm coming up with this subject is because I was having a chat with one of the individual golf coaching clients I work with out of the US and he's come up to a real sticking point in his training and he's not noticing as bigger gains in his strength work that he's doing in the gym or where we're working on together in the gym and This guy has been working with me for about six months now. He has had a big history of lifting and the first little while when we started to work together, we were doing one of these things and now we've come up against a roadblock. So we've sat down at our little um, interval or our little like renewal conversation at the end of every sort of 12 week block or six to 12 week block with clients. I sit down and we work out you know, what the next step is moving forwards and and where they're currently at and how to break through plateaus and things that they're proud of and all of this stuff. So uh, what we talked about with him when we first started was to change sets and reps and things like this. And uh, that's one of the things which I'll discuss a little bit later. But the things the other things that I want to talk about are things that we discussed with him and they're all things that he can move the needle just a little bit with and we're hopefully and we should see some really good and significant strength gains on the back end of that and it's not necessarily from like changing it and doing some sort of secret in the gym it's more getting the you know the 1% is right outside of the gym so that it sets him up for success when he's actually in the gym so The four ways, essentially, I'm going to title this one, The Four Ways to Smash Through Your Strength Plateaus. The first one we're going to talk about is nutrition. And what I'm talking about there and the predominant thing that I get clients to focus on, and just keep in mind that I'm not a certified or, um, you know, Uh, you know certificate i don't have a certificate in nutrition uh what i do have is experience working with you know thousands of clients in a brick and mortar gym in some sort of a nutrition capacity and offering general uh nutrition advice uh my own um you know, guinea pigging and testing and trialing things over the years, including testing, uh, you know, for the blood sugar levels after certain food. i um, testing drinking alcohol versus uh, my sleep and other things like recovery and, and everything else using a whoop strap and Garmin watches and all that type of stuff. So I've done a lot of testing and trialing on myself to see if a lot of the research and the things that I read about and uh, learn about through different experts online. Uh, is all true, and, and the studies and, and whatnot that I read through PubMed and, and other legitimate sites. So the the first thing is dialing in your nutrition that, that we're going to discuss anyway. And essentially, what I mean by that is we're just hitting our protein targets for the day. Now, we can look online, and if you look at uh, TDEE, TDEE, Total Daily Energy Expenditure, online, you'll find a calculator there and that's going to give you an amount of calories and it will tell you what macronutrients to break it down into proteins, carbs and fats and essentially we're looking for 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat as like a pretty well-balanced diet. And uh, if you're a vegan vegetarian, it's going to be hard to reach those goals and the protein goals because it's just hard to get protein outside of meat or you just have to eat a larger quantity of food. Whereas if you're someone who eats meat, fish, um, eggs, poultry, all that stuff and dairy, then it's much, much easier to hit your protein goals. So what we're essentially looking for is that you're eating um, 0.51, 1.52 grams, depending on how much activity and exercise you do, grams of protein per kilogram or pound of lean muscle mass. So there's different formulas and stuff online, which I'm not going to give you the exact one to go for. I just recommend to jump onto the total daily energy expenditure calculator and check that one out. And that's going to give you some guidelines based on where you're at with your lean muscle mass body fat percentage and that type of thing so figure out that and work out what your protein numbers are and ensure that each and every day that you're hitting your protein goals because that's going to be the thing that helps you maintain lean muscle mass which is then going to help you either increase your strength um or potentially increase muscle size and volume because we're eating enough protein to support and grow muscle on top of what we already have. Because if we're not reaching those protein targets, then we're obviously not gonna be able to increase muscle mass. Now, the way that I explain this to some clients in a weight loss context is, if you're starting at you know 80 kilograms or you know 180 kilograms is about 180 pounds, if you're starting at that weight and you want to come down 10 to 20 pounds or 10 to 20 kilos then you can't be eating the same amount of food and then just doing more exercise because that's going to require a significant amount of work like you know running a marathon or two marathons every single day in order to burn sufficient calories to lose that weight. The easiest way to get there is to eat as many calories as the weight of the person that you want to get to. And if that's a large deficit between what you're currently eating and where you want to get to, so you want to go from 180 to 160 pounds, so you want to lose 20 pounds or about 10 kilos for those Aussies listening in, then essentially you want to start by you know meeting in the middle or even just going a quarter of the way so instead of looking at losing 20 kilos or 20 pounds straight away you just want to look at losing the first 5 so instead of eating for 185 or 180 pound person you're going to eat for a 175 pound person or 170 pound person and the progress is going to be slow to get down there but it will happen over time and then once you get to there you're going to be at a sustainable place that you can maintain eating at that weight and then if you need to go up or down then you can just adjust your calories and the volume of food on that basis so that's the the best and most sustainable way to do it rather than if you were at 180 pounds and you went into a 20 uh, percent deficit that's eating for someone who's 36 pounds less essentially than what you are so eating for someone who's about 144 pounds then you are uh, sorry 154 pounds um No, 144, I should say. My mass is completely off today. Um, But so you're eating for someone who's significantly lighter than you. So you'll get down to where you need to go faster, but I don't feel that that um, percentage deficit is as sustainable as a smaller deficit just done over a longer period of time. So uh, that's the first one, dialing your nutrition. And then other factors that we can look at there and my business partner in my gym in Sydney here, uh, he's talking a lot at the moment about dialing in your pre and post workout nutrition so eating sufficient carbohydrates simple carbohydrates before a training session uh, with some protein and then doing the same thing after a workout to replenish glycogen and also to uh, provide protein uh, so that protein synthesis can start to occur much quicker and you're eating sufficient protein across the day Uh, so that's the first one dial in your nutrition it's going to help you with your strength gains and, and making it through the plateaus the second one is fixing your sleep and this is such a, a, a low-hanging fruit for so many people and the, the few little tips that I want to give here around this are, you know, you've probably listened to hundreds of podcasts by now about this uh, topic in particular but some real basics that we can start with in improving our sleep quality. It's not necessarily quantity, unless you're getting less than sort of six or seven hours a night and you're down at like four or five hours a night, um, then obviously quantity is going to need to be increased for you. Uh, That's going to be a low-hanging fruit. But if you're getting uh, somewhere between six or seven, up to eight or nine hours a night, then it's the quality of the sleep that we want to improve on. And in particular, there is the REM sleep and the deep sleep in which you're getting because they are the restorative ones. The Deep is, uh, helps with memories, and uh, sorry, Deep and RAM. they both help with memories and resetting hormones and providing, essentially, the best recovery uh, hormone release that you can get. Um, growth hormone, testosterone, all that type of stuff is uh, released at these stages of sleep uh, and helps us, you know, regenerate tissue and recover and repair, uh, which is then going to help us be able to bring more intensity or more effort to our sessions, which is going to help us obviously break through plateaus uh, in strength, in cardio, in workouts, whatever it might be that you're trying to pursue there. So some simple things. One is Upon waking in the morning, seems counterintuitive, but upon waking in the morning the sooner you can get your eyes into some sunlight and get some sunlight on your skin and your eyes, the better because this is helping reset our circadian rhythm. So essentially, it's like turning your phone on first thing in the morning or taking it off charge first thing in the morning. And then it's pretty much from then for the rest of the day that you've got the charge to last for. And the charge is only going to last a certain amount of time. So our body is only going to last a certain amount of time uh, into that afternoon and evening before we start to then get tired and then want to go to bed again so getting some sunlight on the eyes and skin first thing in the morning uh, is going to be really good for you to reset your circadian rhythm or set your circadian rhythm the next is going to bed at the same time each night or as close to possible as close to the same time as possible i should say So for me, that's around anywhere from 8.30 to 9.30 or 9.00 to 9.30 is a perfect time for me because then I can wake up at 5.30 the next morning or in we're currently in winter in Australia at the moment, so it's a little later than that. It's like 6.00 or 6.30 that I'm getting up most days. Um, and that might be with a wake-up or two wake-ups with my son, um, so I need that little bit of extra sleep there because I'm you know, spending a little bit of time up, maybe listening to him cry out or or maybe getting up to, to help him and settle him for a little bit. Um, and then for all you parents out there who know the the struggles of it, a few of those nights were even just laying on the floor in his room with a blanket on me on the floor and a pillow and just uh, patting his bum until he fell asleep. And then I just fell asleep there for a couple of hours each night. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a real benefit to, to getting... Good sleep in a bed because those nights I woke up the next morning feeling like absolute rubbish, and um, yeah, very hard to keep up intense training efforts and trying to push through strength plateaus when uh, when the sleep's not going too well. Uh, the next thing is a cool and dark room. So cool so that you need a blanket on, uh, and there's. Uh, I'm not going to go into the the benefits of having cool dark room, but there's all sorts of products out there called chili pads and um, other ones which go onto your bed, which cool it, which then you need to, um, obviously your body heat will then warm you and and keep you uh, going through the night. But um, I'll let you research yourself as to to what those products do, but essentially cool and dark room. Um, The darker, the better. So if you can't see your hand, it's really good. otherwise as dark as you can get it and I'll even go to such extremes as you know trying to put tape over certain areas or turning off uh, you know the the standby lights on all different appliances and things like this or putting tape over that stuff so it's just not lighting up the room uh, or even unplugging things within hotel rooms and, and places that I stay so that the the rooms aren't lit up like a you know a sunlight in the morning uh, and then what that uh, to lead on from that further is as soon as as uh, as soon as the sun goes down, uh, I try and have all the lights in the house as dim as possible or starting to dim them as much as possible so that you know, I'm starting to wind down and that melatonin production is starting to increase because I'm starting to get more tired and, and it's nighttime uh, and the cortisol and, and the stress hormones and the, the fight or flight type stuff that you need to get you through the day uh, is really starting to wind down so it's easier to get to sleep. Um, Cool. So that's sleep. So that's a whole bunch of different little things you can do. And I know it might seem really overwhelming that there's a a whole bunch of them that you can do. But if you're just getting started in in this, then a really cool resource to look at is um, Sleep Smarter by Matthew Walker. And that's a a cool... Oh, sorry. Uh, It might not be Sleep Smarter. That might be um, Sean... I think it's Sean Stevenson. I think Matthew Walker did um, Why We Sleep or Why You Sleep. Um, But Matthew Walker, you can look him up on uh, TED Talks. He's a a very good resource for this and one of the world-leading guys who who studies sleep. Uh, The next thing. So um, the next thing is work on stability and weak links in your movements. So essentially... Some of the things uh, which I would get clients to work on if uh, I was doing stuff in my CrossFit gym is different to what I would get golfers to work on in terms of stability and weak links in movement. So, what I'm talking about there is if you have, say, you're doing a back squat and you always find that. And and I've worked with a client in the U.S. on this, and and he's actually noticed massive, massive improvements in his back squat and how much he can lift, and the fact that one side isn't as dominant these days as what it used to be, and. Essentially, if you do a back squat and you may or front squat, whatever it is, where it's a bilateral movement, so we've got a bar on our back and we're squatting with both legs together, and you always find that you lean to the left or lean to the right, and that leg takes more of a load than the other side due to previous injuries or movement pattern issues that you've had, or just the way that you do the movement, whatever it might be, then working on weak links is potentially going from bilateral training to doing unilateral training. So doing something like split squats or single leg deadlifts and really just working on each individual leg so that you're building them both at the same rate and building them both together so they're both having to be a very similar strength. So there's not more than a you know, 5% difference in strength and stability between sides. And that goes for lower body, upper body with rotation, um, with core strength versus back strength and things like this. So uh, working on creating a really well-balanced body so there's no weak links or weak sides. Uh, and then in terms of stability is trying to... Um, make the the body as stable as possible by um, one practicing stability and and practicing movements which will build that um, but also just building the muscles around by doing these unilateral movements so that the like balance no longer becomes an issue when you're doing certain things and you can literally just focus on the task at hand which is just lifting the weight straight up and down or doing you know the rotational power movement or whatever it might be so Stability and focusing on weak links is is where we want to um, put our time and effort uh, in order to help us smash through some plateaus. And then the last thing is changing the sets, reps, and rest intervals so that we're getting a different stimulus. So what I find is that when people do reach plateaus, it might just be because they've literally just followed the same program for six to 12 months, and now they're starting to taper in the amount of gains that they're making because... They're very well practiced at the movement, they are not making many neurological gains which is like the coordination and and putting the effort together, so the body firing in sequence to do a squat, uh, for example, Uh, and they're also not making many physiological gains because they're not able to progress up further in the weight because they've sort of reached their plateau or their ceiling for now. So we can change the movement or address the weak links which I mentioned just before, or we can change how many sets you're doing, so total volume. We can change the reps, so the volume in, in each set, uh, and we can also change the rest intervals, so that you can you know be punching out more reps in lesser time. So we're building your work capacity, or we're building the volume that you're doing. So there's a, a whole bunch of different ways in which we can um, you know really get the body back to making progress by putting a new stimulus on it and the way in which we put a new stimulus on it is to address some of those things and i've talked at length in other podcast episodes about things like this Um, but essentially for today i'm going to keep it to the sets the reps and the rest intervals because just tweaking those three things we can do so much we can go from doing five sets of five um, to doing five sets of three so when we do that um, volume decreases, intensity per rep increases. So that means weight is or volume, uh, not volume, um, load is gonna increase, I should say. Um, so we're getting a different stimulus on the body. We're putting more load on the central nervous system. We'll probably get a little less sore, um, but we'll be a little more tired after each set. So we might have to increase the rest intervals. Um, or we could do it the opposite way. Instead of doing five by five, we could do five by eight or five by 10. Um, so we're still doing the same amount of sets, but the total volume is increased, which means the weight is gonna have to decrease slightly and it might mean that our rest intervals can be a little less or maybe they're a little bit more because we're a bit more puffed so uh, there's so many different ways in which we can tweak these and if you listen back to some of the the previous episodes that i've done where i break down you know what hypertrophy is what doing strength work is versus speed and power and how to program all of those then i'll i I dive much further into the sort of intricacies of um, how to go about doing this stuff so uh, to recap for today Uh, Four ways to smash through your strength plateaus. One is dialing in your nutrition. So focusing on your protein number for the day and doing that by going through the total daily energy expenditure calculator, uh, which you can find online with just a quick Google. Um, and then also your pre- and post-workout nutrition and hitting you know, your protein numbers. The second one is fixing up your sleep. So even if you just implement one of those things that I talked about, so sunlight in the morning, lights down at nighttime, cool dark room, or going to bed and waking up at the same time each day, just pick one of those, nail it until it becomes such a habit you don't have to think about it anymore, you just do it, and then you can lay a habit on top of habit on top of habit or, or habit stack uh, for, for a better term. Uh, The next thing was to work on stability and weak links, so building the big muscles around joints so that we're more stable and we're okay to to be doing more power speed work and and more complex stuff, Um, but also building the weak links so that we don't have one side lagging behind the other. That goes for rotation, that goes for um, leg strength, it goes for upper body strength, and it goes for core strength as well. Uh, And then the last thing is to change the sets reps and rest intervals, so we're giving the body a different stimulus, because in order to make progress, we need to give the body its slightly different stimulus over and over and over. Um, So it's called variation within our workouts, and while we do need some consistency uh, so that we can progressively overload or um, make a, a linear progression, uh, if, if you want to say that, uh, for a number of weeks, it might be four, six, eight, ten 10 weeks that we do that for, and then we need to change the stimulus. So it could be changing the movement, it could be changing the sets, the reps, or the rest intervals, so that we're doing something slightly different, which then triggers the body to start making progress again because we're hitting it with a different stimulus. Uh, cool. So that's the four different ways that we can smash through some strength plateaus. Um, last thing, quick shameless plug uh, before I go, the Fairway Performance Training app. If you haven't heard me bang on about it before, it's the app that I've created essentially to help golfers around the world for a really low cost. So $10 a month if you sign up for one year uh, up front or $14.99 if you sign up for month to month and you can jump on, get yourself a seven-day free trial. Within the app, I have programs for beginners, so there's a 101, 202, 303 program in there for beginners just getting started with their golf fitness. Then I've got intermediate and advanced programs with multiple phases, which goes uh, for five weeks each, so there's like 30 weeks worth of programming within those two um, intermediate and advanced programs. Uh, And Then I've also got in there, there's mobility routines, there's core workouts, um, there's full-body warm-ups, there's also... Uh, little programs within there if you have a swing characteristic like early extension, over the top, hanging back, sway, slide, all of those things. um, I teach you how to see if you have them first and foremost by giving you some instructions to watch yourself swinging a golf club And then once you've done that and assessed which one you are, then you can jump into these little mini programs, which are daily mobility exercises that you can do in order to free the body up a little bit more to help you combat some of these swing faults and get you swinging much better. So there's a whole bunch of resources and things in there. And the best thing is you can also direct message me through the app and ask any questions. Uh, You can send videos, you can send photos to me, and I can give you some uh, guidance on you know, substituting movements or changing movements or modifying the program to suit your specific needs. And I'm always happy to help clients who reach out and take the time to ask for help on there because that is exactly why I created this app is to help more golfers build their fitness, become healthier, become fitter, become stronger, and then transfer that to being able to play golf longer into their lives or later into their lives, uh, and better quality of golf as well, because obviously the more athletic we are, then the better ability we're going to have to swing the golf club and the better scoring potential we have and all that jazz. So uh, jump on, please take me up on the seven-day free trial. Uh, I really hope that you got something out of this episode. If you haven't already, I'd love it if you could leave me a rating or review on iTunes or on Spotify. Um, five stars on either channel would be great and a small little comment. Um, it just helps the show grow, helps me get into the ears of more golfers around the world uh, and help more people just like you who want to enjoy the game of golf like we, we all do uh, and play better golf. So until next week, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll talk to you next week.